Hi, and welcome to the show. If you checked out last week's episode, then you can tell that I got my voice back. (laughs) Last week, we took a look at our most popular doable tips from the professionals, and I thought it was only fitting that this week, we take a look at the family perspective. If you're a listener of the show, you know that we also interview families that have been through this process of either finding senior housing and care or actually doing the caregiving themselves. So check out this week's episode. Don't forget our doable download where I'm going to have a link to each of the full-length episodes. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. Today, we're talking with Troy Scott who helped his mom find a memory care community for his dad. They knew their first move was temporary, and they hoped the second would be the last. But that was far from their experience. Do you have one thing that really helped you get through all of this? You know, what was really helpful was, (laughs) for me, like the structure of a financial plan. We, We sat down, we figured out the money all as we knew he was getting sick. I knew what we needed to accomplish financially. So I didn't have to be thinking about that. I had to think about that number all the time, but I didn't have to calculate it in the middle of crisis, right? I knew what the number was. I knew what we needed to do, how the Medicaid system would work. Should we deplete the funds? And I knew enough to have that little piece of a a roadmap, (laughs) even though there was like, you know, driving along the road, there was suddenly no bridge and we had to turn around a few times. But I had, a, I had a map that told me what we needed to do. And that was really helpful. And sharing that map relatively openly, like telling people, hey, like the first place, I can, he can only be here for a little bit, but you know, you guys can help us get him in. And if you could meet our financial needs of being able to have him on Medicaid, should this date arrive and we pay this much, you know, that clarity was really, really good. And it was helpful too, and just talking to you too, because then I could just say, here's my, here's my budget, here's what I've got to do, and here's my timeline until we would run out of money. Life coach and author, Rosie Mankiss. Rosie, with everything that you have been through, what would you say is the number one doable tip that you have for families that are moving their loved one into assisted living or, or just starting the search? I would say be, be patient, go through and, you know, make sure that you have all your questions that you want. But one of the things that I think I learned and one of the things I think I did wrong was if I went into a facility and it didn't feel right, I went back again thinking it was going to be better. And it was not better. When I walked in, if it was bad, if it smelled or the residence was slumped over or not engaged, I would say, oh, okay, maybe I just went on the wrong day and I should come back. And I think that what I learned is if it doesn't feel right in your gut from the minute you're there, then it's not right. We often think of accessibility as doorways and ramps, but what about the smaller things? Today, we're talking with Greg as he recounts the many struggles he and his family had as their dad aged. 
from senior living apartments to going out to eat, from apartment keys and lamps to wrapped straws and menus. Out of all of these struggles, you actually had a really great idea. What was your idea? A goodie bag. Uh, uh, just a bag of tricks. Uh, some of these little components, a good straw. that he doesn't have to unwrap. I mean, how cool would that have been? Let's pull out the restaurant bag, man. Straw, the salt and pepper shaker, your cinnamon that you love. Uh, in case that it's not sweet enough for you. Uh, the door stopper, the key uh, device. We got to have a better solution. It's figured out for people that are our age. And that's, that's got to start changing. Watching your parents or grandparents decline is so difficult. When should you intervene when their wish is to stay home forever? What do you say when one is caring for the other and you physically see how exhausted they're becoming? This is Kelly's story. Your family has been through so much. Is there one thing that stands out for you, just one doable tip that you would have for families? I would say don't be afraid to ask questions. A lot of family members, what I find, are hesitant to ask for help. It's an uncomfortable experience. It just is at first. It's uncomfortable to, to say, hey, I need help, right? Asking the questions of what does it look like for me to receive help? A lot of times when families come to me, in many ways, they're, they're in the stage of burnout. They're there. Asking those questions feels tender, it feels vulnerable, but it's extremely important. Second and third marriages, out-of-state family, family dynamics are always there, even when facing aging, memory loss, and a big move. Today, Mike and Liz shared their story of moving Mike's dad from out of state and dealing with a family they'd never even met. So what would you say, just with everything you guys have been through, would be your number one doable tip for families? Well, uh, what we really haven't talked, I think we've skipped over a a real important part, and that is your, your involvement in us finding you know, getting to this place because Liz, it's been through it. I've been kind of listening with her mother, but haven't gone through the detail that she had. And I'm a pretty capable person, but I, I really wouldn't have known where to start to, uh-huh. you know, to really to understand what type of home, what's the best opportunity for him. Quite frankly, I didn't know that there were adult homes, memory care homes, like like he's in, right? In a neighborhood. Mike already has us picked out because he's found something that... <laughs> Are so wobbly. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that part it, it was just I wouldn't want to say it was easy, but anything. I mean, if you have a consultant that helps you, that that's, knows it, knows it, and understands where you're coming from, some of the struggles. I mean, that to me that was absolutely the most helpful. And then the owner of the of the home has just been you know so easy to deal with and really caring. You know, we only toured two, but I think both. Were that way. There was a level of care there. There was a level of wanting to, you know, make that person as comfortable as they were or could be in the situation. So to me, I think that that really stands out as a priority to really explore for people, right? Is to get to that 
realization that, okay, they need some help. I need some help. And so, then I guess I would say trust on with trusting you as an expert, but trust the experts. I mean, the doctors, the assessments, they're not going to put someone in a memory care that doesn't belong there. We knew it. He just didn't know it. Work through that and trust that it's going to be the right thing. So, yeah, I think it's the, you know, know your, know your lane, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, trust the professionals and kind of distance yourself of, you know, detach yourself maybe from emotional as much as possible to help ease into that transition. I think is was probably crucial to that. And then the self-awareness to understand that I, I can't do this. I can't give him the level of care that, that somebody else can that he needs. That is also helps, you know, move through the process as well. Do you have one parent with Alzheimer's and the other one, their spouse, just won't accept any help? What are those early and not so early signs of Alzheimer's? And what is it like to wonder if you're going to get it too? Today, I'm so excited to welcome Jennifer Fink, host of Fading Memories podcast, helping families and caregivers through the Alzheimer's journey. Today, Jen is sharing her story. Well, Jen, with everything that you have been through and really all of your experience with your podcast and helping other families, what would be just the number one doable tip that you would have for families? Early on, I did a podcast episode with a family that I swear they need to be the blueprint for all of us. But they they went they formed what they called their care committee. I tell people you're going to need help early, you know, early on, it's easy to make adaptations. I know cuz I did them. But you don't want to end up like my dad. Loved ones don't want help. They don't want to admit they need help. They don't want a stranger in their house helping them. Lots of legitimate reasons for feeling the way they do, but all of them you have to ignore. And that's very difficult. Managing a home to live in and just managing day-to-day life, that takes that's a lot of work. I tell people, make a list of all your responsibilities that you have to do every day. Make a list of the stuff that's got to get done every week and every month. Then make a second list of everybody you know. It doesn't have to be family and they don't have to be all local. And write down what you think their like best skill is. And I use the example of, I will be more than happy to make you some meals, throw in a crock pot, bring you over a casserole to warm up, bring you baked goods. How much baked goods you want? I love to bake. Do not ask me to call the doctor or the insurance company or the bank. So when somebody says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. Is there anything I could do to help? Boom. You got an answer. You have an answer that's not going to overwhelm them or scare them off. So if you put a team in place super early on, you know, you might think this is dumb. I don't need all these people right now, but you will. And unfortunately with, you know, Alzheimer's or other dementias, sometimes stuff changes on a dime. Today, Dr. Delon is sharing the story of his grandmother who was over-medicated in a care setting, causing a very difficult journey for her and their entire family. So Delon, what would be your number one doable tip for families just based on your experience with your grandma? Ask for help, man. My parents were, were tough cookies and they run a lot of the work on themselves. So I, I feel it could have been easier had they had some more caregiver support groups, interactions, or knowing who was in their backyard who could be there, you know, maybe getting involved with an elder care attorney. I will say if you're worried about affairs, try to get things planned. 
wills, advanced directives, try to get those things done sooner than later if you start seeing your loved one decline. So you're not wondering what granny wants when she, when things worsen or you're fighting family members for things you don't want to fight about at the worst time. So I just say ask for help, lean on those resources. There are some amazing Facebook communities that have caregiver support. People, of course, like you, Valerie, who do this. Just don't be afraid and be sure to prioritize your mental health as a caregiver before your loved one. Because, I mean, you can't take care of someone if you're pouring from an empty cup. Early Alzheimer's and denial. What is it like when everyone can see what's happening to your mom, but your mom can't or won't admit it? How do you get her help when she knows enough to know she doesn't want it? Today, we're welcoming back Jody from the Caregiver Club. So what would you say would be your number one doable tip for families? I think meeting them where they are. I think that going through this process with my brothers and sisters and and my dad, I think that personally coming to an understanding of just meeting the person where they are, whether it's a bad day, mom had a really bad day yesterday. And I went and she was exhausted. And I think I said five words to her and I left after five minutes because, but that was her day. And the next day I go and she's like, chatter Kathy about God knows what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I, you really have to meet them where, and that's really, I think one of the hardest things to learn. If you're not used to that, every day is different and you have to just come to them as opposed to forcing them to come to you. Today, Jonathan is sharing his caregiving journey. As he cared for his husband for six years through cancer, then Alzheimer's. It was a unique perspective for Jonathan, having spent over 23 years working with Alzheimer's patients through his therapy practice. A difficult journey, even when you have all the training. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing your story. What would you say would be your number one doable tip for families or advice for families that are in this similar situation? I guess my advice, my advice would be twofold. Practice patience and compassion. And when, when it was really bad with my partner, I always said, it's tough for me, but it's harder for him. You know, it's harder for him. Today's episode is brought to you by ClearPath Senior Living Solutions. ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.